All right. Hey, that was a good uh, radio voice, all right. Uh, but we are here for another episode of Fridge Guys Podcast, hosted here by Dane in my uh, Fridge Guys recording studio, horror basement, beer man cave. And uh, I'm pretty excited for tonight's episode because we are talking homebrew. And I've got a couple local homebrewers from the Lincoln Loggers Association here in, in Lincoln. I've got James. What's up, guys? Welcome, James. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. Yes. And we have Jason. Hello. How are you, Jason? Good. How are you? I'm I'm wonderful. I'm very excited for you guys to to be down here in the recording studio and uh, sharing some delicious beverages with me tonight, and hopefully I'll share some with you too. Bef- while the uh, while the the new show open was was uh, going, James, you cracked open a delicious smelling stout here. What uh, what can you tell me about this? Uh, it was, uh, supposed to be about seven and a half, seven and a half percent stout. Uh, and then, you know, obviously plan on adjuncting it the whole time. And for whatever reason, it stopped at about six and a half percent, actually six and a half exactly. And just had a little bit more body, which I was kind of excited about. I don't know if I could make that happen every time, but, uh, so then I hit it with, uh, some, some chocolate first and then some coffee and uh last i uh put some coconut in there so. yeah that yeah. coconut's screaming right now it's pretty delicious yeah yeah how much coconut um it was about four pounds to about three and a half gallons it was a pain in the butt to get out of the keg because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> of all of the adjuncts in there it, it uh hard to, hard to pump her out well i got all the got all the beer out but then yep. getting the coconut out <laughs> was just oh, yeah awesome so um let's let's get started here so lincoln loggers um what uh, what can you guys tell me about uh, the lincoln loggers what uh, what what is it for those people out there that don't know and well it, lincoln loggers is a <clears throat> homebrewing club but uh it's also the oldest homebrewing club in Lincoln and actually the state um, it started about 25 26 years ago or so um, and I think that originally it was at the old Crane River brewery is where they had their original um, meetings but it was really it was just some old timers that were uh, really into import beer that they couldn't get their hands on yeah. um, and into um, I guess what back then would be uh, not before his craft beer it was just micro brew yeah, and uh, they um, they started making stuff themselves and um, there's a guy who owns the only uh, homebrew shop in town named Kirk and he was also one of the founding members and um, yeah started there and it it's Kirk, Kirk's Brewing over on like uh, Cornhusker and like 10th over there. Is yep. it still yep. open? It uh-huh. is, yeah. I yeah. remember when I was a kid driving by there. Yeah, was he, like, was, wow. he was there that day and every day since. <laughs> is he still, is, so he was part of the, the Lincoln Lager? Is he still part of the? No, he uh, he, he has not come to a, a meeting as long as I've been in the club, which mm. has been about 
I don't know, 12, 13 years. Oh, wow. How old is the, the group? I think it's about 26 years or so, 25, 25. It's old. Wow. <laughs> Kirk probably gets his fill doing homebrew 45 hours a week, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's just his day job. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there's a handful of members that were have been there since their start. Right? Yeah. Um, Steve Olson, I think, is the one that's been there forever. And then there's a few that were around since that very first year. Wow. Um, but kind of just took off from there, and it's definitely evolved and changed into a different beast at this point. But Sure. So you've been 12, 13 years. How long have you been a member, James? About eight, I believe. Wow. Yeah. Well, we got some old timers here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So your guys' craft beer journeys started quite a few years ago then. Yeah, I mine was actually uh, I was really just into craft beer pretty heavily and um, started home brewing because my in laws couldn't buy me any beer that I hadn't already had, so they bought <laughs> me a homebrew kit. Oh, really? And that's how that started. But yeah. So were you, was that something that you were interested in? Is homebrewing, or that you got this kit and you're like, heck, maybe I'll give it a shot? Yeah, or? it was more. Heck, I'll give it a shot. I had no intentions of ever doing it because there was so much good beer. In was the this world like already. a like a Mister Beer homebrew kit? Oh, or? it was. It came from Kirk, so it was <laughs> a little more pro than that. Okay. okay. My father-in-law apparently brewed when he was a bit younger, so he yeah he knew what so it he took. he knew a little bit more than yeah. I think when I was a. Uh, like six years old, I think we got my dad for Father's Day one of those Mr. Beer kits. I it probably just collected dust until he threw it away. Well, I don't think he ever tried it. <laughs> it was a good, it was a good thought. It's a nice <laughs> gift. Yeah, he he drank a lot of beer. I thought it was a good gift, but uh, he didn't want to go through the effort of making his own. <laughs> what uh, you know, kind of let's let's get started with how you guys you know got into beer and then into micro or craft beers. James, why don't you go ahead? Hmm. Okay. I guess I've been drinking beer. My parents will tell you that I used to steal some of my dad's as a kid. I don't necessarily sure. remember that, but apparently <laughs> it's been a part of my life since, uh, you know, mm-hmm. three or four years old. Uh, but then um, once I was old enough to, to drink, you know, I, I drank a lot of light beer, but it was pretty quick that I was starting to drink, you know, like, Wheat beers were kind of my gateway, you know, craft beer thing. And I, you know, was drinking a lot of those. And then I found IPAs. And, you know, I said to my girlfriend one day, I was like, we don't have, we never have light beer around anymore. It's crazy. It just just happened all of a sudden. Um, and I was, uh, I was DJing at this uh, club that Jason was actually running the beer for. And he was bringing in all this beer that I wish I had the knowledge that I do today <laughs> back then. So I was trying stuff I had no idea, but I was got getting exposed to all this amazing beer and it really just kind of blew up for me. Um, and I, I don't really know why I decided that I wanted to, to homebrew, but I've always kind of been interested in making stuff. So I think that's probably the connection. Uh, so I started getting a beer and decided I thought I wanted to homebrew. Uh, ended up buying a uh, Mr. Beer Kit off Craigslist. It was never used. The guy, <laughs> the guy had gotten it for a gift. Uh, I think a real similar story to Jason's mm. and from in-laws, I believe he said. And he just never intended to use it. Put it on Craigslist, super cheap. Um, and uh, I got that. And before I brewed, I went to Kirk's. And I was like, Kirk, you know, 
I've got this Mr. Beer kit, and I know that's not going to be good enough. And uh, he ended up, I think I bought some dried malt extract and some hops to add to this, you know, pre-put-together kit. And the beer didn't turn out half bad. I drank it all, and it seemed like a relative success. And uh, I think that's what kind of, I thought, okay, I'm going to do this, you know? Yeah. Jason? (laughs) So you're, Jason's, so... You, you were drinking beer from Jason. Jason knew about beer back then. Jason's like the original craft beer OG here in Lincoln. Is that it? Or I'm not going to claim that. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been growing this craft beer beard? <laughs> uh, I think it's been on my face. It'll be going on four years. It's only it's, four years. So. It's trimmed a lot, though. Okay. So it's... But the thing about Jason, he can sprout that thing in like a week and a yeah. half, literally. So it's not like it's like he has the wizard level beard with the beer knowledge here. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been, you've so since you started drinking beer, you've been into micro craft beers. Is that what uh, you're you're telling me here? Or you you never you didn't start Budweiser or stuff like that. No, no, no. no um, I guess growing up, my dad was really interested in um, craft brewing. Um, he he took steps to look towards what it would take to open a craft brewery. And that's back in the eighties. Um, so, and uh, growing up, an only child, we did a lot of traveling, and so we would go to every craft brewery back then microbrewery we could get get to it wasn't a whole lot back in the 80s well when you vacation actually the 80s was huge was there it? was a massive boom in the 80s hmm. and then it, it died off again um and there's still some that still stuck around and, sure but uh there was it was a really big deal back in the 80s um and so i just traveling with the family we would go to them all the time so i thought they were cool from that but then growing up um Came really good friends with a buddy named Adam Curfew, and uh, he uh, he he was really into home brewing. And I lived with him and a few other people in four bedroom house, and he had a fermenter in everybody's closet because <laughs> he had to keep he he wasn't refrigerating anything. He was just fermenting in everyone's closet. So, and he brew I think almost every weekend, and uh, so I got exposed to it by that. And he later um, started working for squatters way back in the day um and he's at this point he's the coo of squatters in wasatch um there in utah yep in salt lake city and uh but that was a big exposure to it and um that was long before i was 21 i think he was 18 when we we had all of these maybe he's probably 17 or i'm sorry 19 when he had all of these uh fermenters going off in our closets so that's i kind of was baptized that way i suppose what was the first batch of beer that you ever brewed i think the kit was like an english pell or something like that i should have brought i think i still have one bottle left i bet it's so bad (laughs) (laughs) but uh i think it was an english pell it's whatever the uh the kit came with yeah yeah so you started with like a a kit so that because there's a difference between there's brewing off of a, a kit right or mm-hmm. extracts and stuff like that yep. and then brewing off of uh, grain whole grains and stuff whole like grain, that yeah 
Yep. So you guys both started off with kits then, I guess, with you had the Mr. Beer kit and, and you had a... Yeah, a, a Kirk kit. <laughs> and uh, do you guys still brew off of kits or are you guys up to grain now? Or <laughs> Definitely uh, all of the above, I would say, although I, I haven't bought or used a kit in almost as long as I've been home brewing. Yeah. Um, for some reason, just the, the recipe formulation was something that was the most interesting about it to me um trying to create something or you know whatever something that you could maybe call your own but uh i still use extracts frequently um i rarely make an extract beer but i might use a little extract to kick up uh the gravity of a you know a beer that otherwise might have been a little bit more difficult or more time consuming or more more strenuous of a brew day so that'd be more like a partial mash sure yeah what what uh what's your favorite style of beer to brew? Oh man. I shit. <laughs> <laughs> to just brew, <laughs> it's probably like a blondo and I'll just throw a bunch of extract in there <laughs> and be out out and done in about two hours. But um I mostly brew IPAs and, and Imperial Stouts, which are two styles that just take forever yeah. to do. I'm right there with you. It's hazy IPAs and baser stouts are taking up the majority of my brew days currently. Who knows what it'll be like next year, but probably the same. <laughs> yeah. it's. I mean, we are living in the time of pastry stouts and hazy IPAs, so mm -hmm. they are delicious. You guys do any sours? Um, not in a while. Um, I did bring one, but um, I haven't made one in quite a while. Yeah. That's another... Another time-consuming yeah. waiting game style. Yeah, I think you know homebrewing is so crazy. The different reasons why you might do it, and they they often change. Uh, but one thing that's been consistent with me is that I've been often like chasing a, a beer or a style that I couldn't couldn't get all the time or or whatever. And so there was a, a phase where I was all about brewing sours, but that was back when like Boulevard Love Child would be one of the few that and lawfully we could get uh, when it came out for a couple weeks, it'd be on the shelf. Usually we'd buy a bunch of bottles and spend more money than we should. And then they'd still be gone. And, and then there's long periods of time where there wasn't really any sour beer that I could buy. And so I was uh, kind of went through a phase where that was really something that I was going after. And then now, you can get so many sours with with the kettle sours. I mean, you can just walk in and and buy yeah. any fruited sour that you want. And so I think that's why I've been currently brewing less sours. Mm. So um, when it comes to home brewing, is that you know is that that is some of the reason that some people get into home brewing is because there's certain beers that they want to drink and they just can't find. Um, and they want to try to, you know, brew it themselves, or do you think that people are, are attracted to it for even cost reasons? I mean, I think all of the above. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think originally when homebrewing started getting um, gaining some traction, it was so that for all the all the people that wanted to try stuff that maybe they had in Europe, maybe they had in there somewhere else, and their distribution was just horrible um, ten plus years ago. So a lot of it, I think, came from that, but. Um, and nowadays, uh, the, the really good stuff, if it's really good, it seems like you can't <laughs> get it except at that brewery and it's usually not on your back porch. So, um, I, 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 for one, yeah, if I try something that I think's fantastic, 
I'll definitely try and recreate trying that. Trying to recreate yeah. it, yeah. And, I mean, that's, we're living in the, the day and age where, yeah, like that stuff that is really good out there seems like it comes from a really small brewery and only the people that are lucky enough to live there or travel there are the ones that are getting it. Pay $300 for the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or the lovely secondary beer market. We all love that, don't we? No, we don't. <laughs> Uh, this this was a pretty delicious stout that we started off with, James. Do you have do you have a name for this stout? Uh, yeah, we just called it uh, Good Enough. Uh, <laughs> I had been uh, watching a lot of Letterkenny, and uh, a buddy of mine that had been watching it kind of with me, even though he lives in Kansas City, he was coming up to visit, and I said I need a name for the stout. We'll call it Good Enough. See if he catches that reference, and uh, <laughs> he definitely did. So it, you know, it was good enough, I guess. <laughs> uh, that's better than good enough. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And yeah, I mean, if you wouldn't have told me it was six and a half percent, I wouldn't have thought. I mean, the the body on it is really great. Normally, this these day and age, you you drink a a lesser ABV stout, you think it's a little bit thinner, and this is a, has really great body on it. So that nice. coconut's just kicking. Yeah. It's really good coconut. And I pick, I mean, great chocolate. Um, I don't know. The coffee, I guess I didn't pick up too much on it, but mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's kind of crazy how that went down. Uh, did the chocolate first. I was like, man, the chocolate's kicking. Uh, did the coffee next, and I was like, the chocolate's gone. <laughs> the, the coffee's crushed everything. <laughs> and uh, then the coconut came in, and I kind of feel like it, everybody's all over the place some people get the the coffee more some people get the sure. coconut yeah so you find that uh, a problem when you're adding adjuncts to beers that certain things you know you're you're looking for something you put it in there and it tastes totally different or it knocks out you know like you said with the coffee it knocked out the chocolate and now i think all three of them are like rounded out very nicely but do you guys find that a problem when you're brewing yeah yeah, <laughs> can be definitely. <laughs> yeah, I've had to go back and readjunct things to get dial it in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, let's let's find another beer here. I've got a bunch of homebrew um, from some of my friends at homebrew, some neighbors and stuff like that. So I'm just I'm just gonna grab. I have no idea what's in here. There's a bunch of stuff, so it's gonna be fun. <laughs> Do a good job. Oh, well, I guess we're going to stay on coconut here a little bit. Uh, this is this is called You Put the Rye in the Coconut. It's an imperial stout aged on toasted coconut and rye whiskey-soaked French oak cubes. Uh, it says it's 11% ABV. Um, this is from my buddy Aaron. It's uh, just down the street. He dated this, so it's January 15th, 2019. So we've got, this is in a year aged, I guess. Yeah. Let's pour this. Um, what are some of your favorite adjuncts to uh, to brew with? Oh man! Well, you start, James. Huh? Uh, that's tough because all of them is is the the best <laughs> response. But it's uh, vanilla. Uh, yeah. I think vanilla just goes so well in so many different things. Uh, I just wish it wasn't so damn expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to buy pounds of vanilla for $30, and now a pound of vanilla is 300 
It's wow. incredible. That is incredible. So just first first sips here. I haven't even taken a sip yet. But what are your what are your thoughts here? I definitely get the uh the right oak. It gets in there. Yeah, not getting too much coconut, but I guess if this is a year old, coconut probably falls off fairly quick in a beer. Yeah, eleven yeah, percent. It's pretty dry. Yeah, I would say, like I said, I mean, the body of your six and a half, I think, is even thicker than this one. So thick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the Lincoln Loggers, you guys, um, you're a homebrew club. Um, what do you guys do as a club? So you guys probably have weekly meetings, um, monthly. monthly or monthly yeah. monthly yeah. meetings. Um, what do What do you guys do? Um, you know, do you guys just get together, sh- share beers? Um, I know that there's certain contests and stuff like that that are local and in, in Midwest and all that kind of stuff. What? Uh, tell me a little bit about of the Loggers. Um, so our meetings are first Thursday of every month at the Happy Raven. Um, for the past couple of years, they've been there. Before that, they did kind of a tour around the uh, the uh, city to different establishments. Um, we had some issues with legality there for a little bit that uh, kind of took us out of our ability to go have them at breweries for a while. Um, they don't want homebrew intermingling with uh, commercial beer. Sure. So uh, Matt at Happy Raven was nice to take us in. Um, but it, besides the meetings, and the meetings are really cool. There, it's a chance for everyone to kind of share their stuff. Um, I can tell you that when when I very first started brewing, a um, buddy of mine, Jason Davis, brought me to a meeting. He was a club member at the time, and. Uh, I, I didn't know what to expect, but because uh, I was already a craft beer snob and I <laughs> kind of thought I would go there and uh, just drink a bunch of swill, but <laughs> I was actually blown away by how good it was. And at that, like, and I was lucky because I think he brought me like a month and a half after I brewed my first beer and I immediately joined the club been almost every meeting since hmm. um and i it, it was incredible how good the beer was and it was amazing how nice everyone was and how willing they were to share how they do the processes so it really jump-started me and w- i was able to start creating really drinkable beer really quick hmm. um and uh there's i mean there, it's everybody in the club so like you mentioned a minute ago like some people do it for cost reasons and you got those people in the club you got every different level of homebrewer within the club and every age range every demographic every color every <laughs> i mean everything like it's it's a really cool club and everyone's i mean brought together by the that love beer. of beer mm-hmm. so yeah um so that's part's really cool but there is a lot of other side think deals to it uh, the club meetings they always have a educational component so there will be at least uh whether it's a short tech talk or a little bit longer tech talk there's always a tech talk at the meetings um there's always sharing there's we do evaluation there um there's a lot of uh certified judges within the club so if people want uh their beers trouble shot um they can bring them to the club meetings and judges will will help them oh 
Um, and uh, beyond that, there's a, a ton of other fun stuff that goes on with it, like yearly bus trips. Um, there's uh, competitions. Uh, we like to have friendly competitions where we'll randomly uh, pair up club members to brew beers together um, and then compete against the other teams that mm-hmm. were randomly made. Um, all usually with like a common goal as far as the beer goes. Um, and of course you have the Sowers Cup event that goes on here. That's every October. And that is a, um, a regional homebrew competition that pulls in entries from, actually we've had entries from all over the world show up, but it's part of two brewing circles, um, circuits, the uh, Midwest Homebrew of the Year and the Great Plains Brewer of the Year circuits. Um, so we get int- a lot of entries from all over our region. Um, we capped that at about 420 entries. So we're dealing with $840, 40 bottles of beer um, for this competition. And that's a really fun event. It's like a week long thing. And then it ends with a huge banquet award ceremony. Um, it's been featured in magazines multiple times. It's wow. pretty cool. Sounds like a, a week long of drinking a lot of beer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's tiring. <laughs> <laughs> so every month you guys get together. How many members, how many like a- active members would you say that you guys have? I'd say there's probably 40 active members, but there it, it spans further than that. Sure. Um, there's How? a lot of past members that will just pop in here and there. And that's one thing. It's like our club meetings. Um, you can just show up. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be an active member, but mm-hmm. if you hang out with us enough, someone might t- start twisting your <laughs> arm. To um. Is there anybody, you know, that's taken homebrew to the next level that was part of the loggers? Yeah, a lot of guys. Um, One of the founding members, a couple of them, Bob Myers and Dave Ombring, um, Josh Ames, uh, they all uh, started Modern Monks back in the day. Um, Dave Ombring has been a club member since almost the beginning and active to this day. Um, Modern Monks, they were the ones that was with Misty's. Yeah, yeah. before that they were brewing down in uh, in Grand Island at uh, the Chicken Coop, which mm-hmm. um, Thunderhead. They have a Thunderhead yeah. beers there now. Yep. Um, and then, uh, let's see, who else? Well, of course, Tim Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see... Uh, Brian Brian, yeah, Brian Hazing mm-hmm. from 5168 Matt um, was a member Plowshare um, yeah. yeah I know we're missing some though yeah that's Sam Sam Bates Sam Bates yeah he's down brewing at Bear whatever mm-hmm. in the world Bear Bottle <laughs> <laughs> in, in California San Francisco yeah. yeah and he was at uh, White Elm before that so yeah, awesome. So, so so some people, you know, home brewing is you know they they take that to the next level and it's it's their job. Um, you guys have been brewing for a long time. You ever thought about doing that? Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> 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 I think that uh, the idea of putting together a, a business plan and sourcing all of the money that it truly takes to open a brewery, which I think, you know, people that are in the know know 
it's expensive, but you know, I don't know exactly what a number would be, but it's really high. If you just told that to somebody walking across the street, they might be like, what, why are there so many breweries if it costs millions of dollars? But that is a pretty big idea that doesn't necessarily interest me. Yeah. (laughs) I think if the golden goose was ever laid at my doorstep, I'd probably jump on it though. I mean, yeah. Wouldn't you at least consider it, Jason? Yeah, I'm busy right now. Sure. I feel like Jason might have had a golden goose dropped at his doorstep once before. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot to open the door that day. (laughs) We had uh, Sam Riggins from Cosmic Eye on last week, and he he said he would never do anything else, but he would never wish it upon anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) And beer is a labor of love. Mm Yeah. yeah, to to open up a brewery, all the equipment that you need, and to sell a beer for five to you know ten dollars a glass, it's gonna take a while to recoup those mm-hmm. <laughs> profits, I guess. Currently, currently, right now, the uh, market is fairly saturated too. So yeah, you, you know, we we've got great breweries that aren't making it. We've got breweries taking different angles that you know are making them more successful or less successful based on that. Um, it's just kind of a crazy time. It's a great time to be into craft beer. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, just here, Lincoln alone, um, it seems like this is the most beer as far as distribution that, that, I mean, we've, I mean, you guys probably know more than I do, but it seems like we have the most breweries that we're able to get to than we've ever had (laughs) by far. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know that you've been around for a little bit there, Jason, craft beer. What are some of the, the older breweries that, that we used to get here that you don't even see anymore? Oh, man. Um, well, I mean, there's some stuff that I'm sure that we could if we wanted to badly enough from the, uh, like the Shelton Brothers portfolio. Um, but you just don't see much anymore. And it's probably just, I mean... Matt Dingus now is handling that, and uh, and he did work for Shelton Brothers before when I was at Bricktop, which James was talking about a little bit earlier, where I was the tap manager there. Um, he, that's back when Matt was working with Shelton Brothers, and we were able to get in a bunch of really cool stuff. There's a, I don't, there's just so much beer now though that I, I doubt that he'd think that it'd be worth it to bring <laughs> in those. <laughs> those brands at this point um yeah well and it, and it seems like about every other week he's he posts on social media that you know here's this beer that has never been here before yeah and it, you know we might not get a whole bunch of it but uh, here it is go get the limited amount that we have and it's gone usually in a couple hours <laughs> yep and sometimes i get it sometimes i don't but usually i'm able to drink it so that's good all right. Well, I just finished this one. You guys are still sipping on this one. I might uh, grab into my bag to see what else I got. Oh, or unless you want something. Jason Jason brought a few beers here. Want to try sour beer? I'd love to try sour beer. So this is a beer that came. We did a another thing about the club is that you can usually talk enough people into doing some crazy shit that (laughs) um so i had this wild idea about 10 years ago to do a barrel project where um i think we got about oh maybe about eight to ten club members to all brew a sour beer um and then we all collectively added it to 
a uh, red wine barrel and let it sit. Um, you guys brewed all the same beer? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. We did all the same beer and then uh, racked it all into this barrel, pitched more bugs into the barrel, and then let it sit for about a year. Um, and then, yeah, we racked it back out, I think, about nine years ago in January. Only reason I remember that is because that was the last time the Patriots lost to the Jets in the playoffs. <laughs> and that would suck. But, um, the day we racked it out. But anyway, so what I took um, was I took the beer and I racked it onto uh, my five gallons onto 12 pounds of cherries. And um, I, I, th- I have two bottles left. One's a, like a 750 and then this one. Um, I haven't tried it in a couple of years. Um, it, I don't know what to expect. Well, I'm excited. It's going to be good. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't worry you about get, that. I gave you the opener over there, oh, Jason. Okay. Yeah. okay, okay. That's a funny story. I, I'm assuming that was the maybe the first time that the club had done that. I've been involved with two projects just like that since then, and it's it's awesome. You know, everybody. So you guys all together. have the same recipe. You guys take it back to your own home brewing process, mm-hmm. and then 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 you make the beer and then you have to bring it somewhere that somebody's housing a whoever's got the barrel yeah they're gonna be you know charge of that but uh at least one of the two i did we all got together took our equipment to uh the the where the where the barrel was at and uh brewed together too so it was like an all-day thing and you know awesome we shared beer we we brewed beer and then we we aged beer together very cool all right Going in for the first sniff here. Ooh. I definitely get some cherries. Oh, man. Yeah. Whoa. That is awesome. <laughs> that is, that's really good. And this is a 10 year old beer? Yep. Holy hell, that's amazing. Is that Roselaire? Yeah. Roselaire yeast. Yep. Mm. That is really good. You guys did an amazing job. And I'm ten years ago, I never would have thought about drinking a sour beer, <laughs> and now I'm drinking one that's ten years old, and it's fantastic. Well, appreciate it. Wow. Yeah, it is really good. I wish you would have brought the 750. <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. No, very good. That and that's another cool thing about this group is I mean, you guys are are making lots of beers, so you guys probably are stashing some a good amount of beer too, or yeah, that's usually how it ends up. And that's I don't know my on my stouts, I just make I I spin them off into so many different things that they're just they go in like a two and a half gallon keg and they they go pretty quick yep. unfortunately so how there. how big of a how big of batches do you guys brew at home usually five but i can do 10 so you can I do 10 gallons yeah but normally you're just doing five gallon batches yeah yeah i'm pretty much solid five i yeah. i could do 10 but i never have no nope. see that's you know people ask me about like if i've ever thought about home brewing or anything like that i guess i've thought about it but I also think about, like, you know, what am I going to do with that much, you know, five to ten gallons of beer? Yeah. Like, 
I would be much fatter than I am if I had to drink my <laughs> drink that many gallons of my own beer all the time. Yeah, you don't have to drink it all at once. So. No, but that'd be the problem is I probably would. <laughs> and hopefully I would like it because I think if you I, like variety enough that you could probably handle not just drinking that. Yeah. That's uh that makes me think about how homebrewing can be kind of a a little bit of an obsession. I think it happens to a lot of us where, you know, we, we start making beer and, and it starts tasting good and we're bottling and then, you know, we decided we want to start kegging and then the sky's the limit. I mean, I can I can have six beers on tap at my house. Usually I've got at least four and that might sound like a lot to some people, but, you know, then we've we've had people in the club that had 26 taps at their mm-hmm. house. Tim, <laughs> yeah. Tim. <laughs> right? So it's... I've yeah, had it's Tim on the freak. podcast, and he yeah. told me some of those when he, when he used to have every single style that was yeah. w- whatever contest he'd, he'd be in, he'd have every style on tap. That's, mm-hmm. Sounds amazing. It's, it's good for the beer OCD, though, because I... I I'm going to guess all of us here don't necessarily just want to drink the same beer over and over again. So, you know, you've got... Well, yeah, that'd be my problem is I'd I'd be the guy with 26 taps and be like, oh, I would drink this today instead of this. And I'd probably have a lot of old beer. <laughs> well, he was he, he was shipping all that beer across the country to win his contest. So. Yeah. Would, the bulk would, of it went. Would he be? Would he be one of Lincoln's most decorated homebrewers? You oh, think? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God! One of the the world's most <laughs> decorated homebrewers. Because he he won like the best homebrewer of the the the, the U.S. or something like that. Yeah. Like two years or yeah, something. Yeah, the like Masters. Yeah. Yeah. He won that. Wow. Twice. <laughs> uh, got got his club of the year. Regionally. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, regionally. Yeah, yep. I hate to say that he did that by himself. Well, sure. Except for the part where he did. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I wasn't the one that had to say that. But, I mean, there's lots of good brewers in the club, but yeah, he, sure. he easily could have done it all by himself. <laughs> in fact, he did. <laughs> so so as a, cl- as a club, you guys compete with other clubs yeah. across the yeah. country? Yeah, these, uh, these brewing circuits, they also take points for which club you're in. So whenever you enter a beer into a homebrew club, or a homebrew contest, it always asks you what club you're a member of. And then um, it, your club will start logging points off of that. Oh, awesome. Yeah. What? Uh, who are some of the, the most decorated members that you guys have right now? Well, definitely Jeremy and Dustin right now. They're, uh, they just they, win, win they almost everything they enter with their <laughs> meads. Meads? Yeah. Dragon, uh, Dragonborn Meadery, is that what? Is it yeah, Dragon? yeah, I believe that is, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, one or both of them are supposed to be here tonight. But, uh, <laughs> other work conflicts happen, yeah. so more delicious beer for us, I guess. There's uh, Finky. Yep. He's Doug Finky. Uh, wins about everything. Everything he enters to, mm-hmm. I think. So yeah, yeah. well deserved. Um, yeah, Mark Beatty, another mm-hmm. big time winning club member. Um, think about when when Matt White was in the club. Yeah, Mal White. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bow down. <laughs> that guy's good. Yeah, I've had a few of Matt's beers, yes. I actually have a couple bottles up there of there some delicious are. ones that he made before he, he moved on. Well, he moved <laughs> out, of, out of Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that beer's great. I love that beer. Thank you so much for, for sharing that here. I'm glad you like it. Very good. Glad it held up. Yeah, both of your beers have so far been really good. This is this is gonna be a good night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so, 
I mean, it sounds like Lincoln Loggers has been a fairly successful group. Our group's been around for for that long in other cities. I mean, does Omaha have a? Yeah, Omaha's got a bunch of clubs. Okay. Um, Lincoln uh, just had us. There's another uh, club called the Brewman Group, and those guys are excellent brewers too. Uh, two of actually four of four of them have gone on to become professional brewers. Four, maybe three. Um, one guy left a while ago and I don't, his name's escaping me right now, but, uh, Brian building and Jim Ancio both went and opened up the brewery in Beatrice, um, stone hollow. Yeah. Um, and they, their homebrew club is more of like a tight knit group of friends where the loggers is kind of like whoever wants to come hang out. Um, and then, uh, because I I know I know Brian has talked about Tim being a huge influence on him. Oh sure, before yeah. so yeah, um, yeah. So there 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 is another group. It might be a little bit smaller. That yeah, there's it's buddies. So yeah. yeah, they're they're group, but they're an amazing brewers. They they mm-hmm. they yeah. win tons of stuff too. Um, Omaha wise though, uh, Omaha's is the oldest club there, but there's several there now and. Um, like the SOBs, 402, uh, Railroaders, there's the German something. Wow. I don't remember it. And then there's German Society. Just Nebraska homebrew club competitions based off of most of these that we've just rattled off that are super fun as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Nebraska Shootout, which is a competition just between homebrew clubs. That's a really fun one where the homebrew clubs have to decide which beers from their members they're going to put forward to represent their club. So um, each homebrew club can only enter two beers per style. And I think there's usually four styles that are decided on each club can only enter two beers from each one of those styles uh, for the competition. And then they get points for whatever club wins. So you guys probably have a pretty heavy, a uh, competition just inside the club to get whoever's <laughs> beers. That's be. a day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a day. When we have to narrow it down to the uh, usually, what would it be, eight beers that are going to represent the club. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet those are some great beers. Yeah. Unfortunately, not good enough lately because <laughs> no. we haven't won it in a while. Uh-oh. I think we won it every year but once for about eight or nine years, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then we haven't won it in a long time. We need to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, these beers I just drank here so far have been pretty tasty, but I guess this one's ten years old. So, <laughs> can you could you sneak this one in? And <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're going to throw this style out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's four select styles, and they're usually things that you can get done quick. It could yeah. be best damn beer, but I don't think you're yeah. going to put your last bottle for that. Well, best you? damn beer is just a tiebreaker. Yeah. Anyway, so, bragging rights. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys won any competitions just personally? Uh, I got lucky a couple times, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm not much of a competition guy. Uh, I never plan out my brew, uh, my brew day, and schedule it or think about a competition when I'm doing it, and that's that's a fault of my own, you know. Uh, but uh, I got lucky a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what beers have you have you entered or, or won with? Um. So the first time I entered was the the first year of the Sellers Cup, and I had a uh, Flanders Red that I had brewed, 
and uh, just a traditional sour, you know. Mm-hmm. And I entered it, and I got a bronze medal, and I was pretty happy oh. about that. I was actually stewarding right next to the people that were judging my beer, so I, I like you know, <laughs> painfully watched that whole process and <laughs> was you know positive, you know, which beer was mine, and uh, heard them talking about it, and yeah, uh, so that was cool. But uh, and then I got uh, uh, I won um, with the meat as well. Um, yeah. and that was the, the second year of the Sours Cup. You the you were best to show meat manager. I, yeah, I ended up getting best to show. And, and the funny thing about that meat is that I was super bummed about it. Uh, it, it, it dried out, went to like 15% and uh, pretty much to, to zero. And, and I just wasn't happy with it. I thought maybe it was a dumper. And uh, another friend in the club said, hey, you know, everybody's recommending you're going to you're going to need to back sweeten that because, you know, you're not you're not happy with it. I've got this Tupelo honey that it, I don't have enough to make a whole batch. You know, basically it needs to go to something like this. Um, give me a couple of bottles of it. I'll give you the mead and or give me a couple of bottles of the mead. I'll give you the honey. And that was the magic that that, that happened there. I mean, it was just just a regular old mead that dried out and happened to ferment fairly cleanly and then the the, the special honey the back sweeten it was was where it came in <laughs> awesome what about you jason i i've won some stuff i i don't usually like to i don't know it's a kind of a hassle but uh all i've entered the uh national homebrew competition a bunch of times and then i drug home a silver medal a few years ago drug it home (laughs) (laughs) um with a with a uh raspberry imperial stout ended up being the uh, raspberry tort oh the boiler did yeah it was a great beer i won a a few at a beer quest at um at empyrean yeah you know and mango ipa anybody (laughs) yeah Yeah, mango IPA. The Carpe Diem Mango IPA. Yeah, all their mango IPA. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, awesome mochaccino milk stout. No, that was yours. Yeah. Like so, that would have been what, like four or five years ago. No. They've they've brought it back. They've they've bring that one back. I I feel like barrel aged it. Maybe it was like five years ago. They did barrel age it about five years ago. Yeah. That. that was like one of the first dark beers that I was like, wow, this beer is amazing. Yeah. I never knew it was yours. Yeah. It's awesome. Because uh, yeah, they sold like in a four pack. Yeah. Um, then I had it at, at uh, I don't know, we were at Laszlo's or something like that. And it was one of their special tap beers. So I had it and I was like, holy crap, like where can I get this? And yeah. that was amazing. So. Mm-hmm. How, um, have you guys brewed with uh, with with commercial brewers, and you have other beers out out there like that? Or uh, I got to go brew with uh, Tim at Boiler once, and that was a ton of fun. I was I've just always had this uh, raging boner for Galaxy Hops, and uh, <laughs> I love so Galaxy too. <laughs> ever since, it, it, pretty much any time I get an email update, there, there's Galaxy Hops are in stock. I'm like, well, yeah. Got seven pounds of them in the freezer, but <laughs> six pounds of those are from 2018. So I guess I'm gonna have to order a couple more, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the first time Tim brewed with Galaxy, let me come join him. Awesome. And what? I, what was the name of that beer? Uh, it was Double, so they called it uh, Hammer Double stuff. Hammer That. Yeah, Hammer, yeah. Hammer That. Yeah. You you had a little something to do with that beer from Boiler, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. I, I had been brewing, um, been messing around with 
New England style stuff for a bit and bringing them to Tim um, to kind of push him towards giving it a shot. And finally, he gave in and yeah. started that series. So, yeah. So that was your original recipe? Yep. That seems like a long time ago. It does. Mm-hmm. It's like 2016. <laughs> and there's been so many iterations of that beer since <laughs> yeah, that first started. <laughs> yep. So many that that's not a thing yeah. anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think that's a, a great segue to something that I always like to tell uh, a little personal story about the loggers is I've been in the IPAs forever. And right away when I got in the homebrew club, I was bringing IPAs and other other hop heads were, were trying them and giving me advice. And one thing it seemed we all agreed on, or, or most of us agreed on, we were all shifting the bitterness from, from being overly bitter to uh, being really fruity or, or letting the, you know, the aroma and the flavor of the hops come in on the back end of the beer rather than just uh, trying to go for 100 plus IBUs or whatever. And that was like a fad that's been happening in my homebrewing world by the people that influenced me for the whole time, you know, eight years or whatever it's been. And it's kind of like a, a, a prelude, in my opinion, to the New England IPA. I mean, obviously, they, they really took that a, a few more steps further. But, um, it, you know, we, you know, it felt like we were kind of already starting to head that direction before I even heard before the word New England IPA, even, you know, the style existed or anything like that. Yeah, that was that was a question I had for you guys since since you guys have have been in craft beer for so long. Like, w- how different has the fads or the trends, you know, have you guys seen? Like, when you first started drinking beer, brewing beer, I'm sure that it's completely different or it's changed or even maybe even come back around to to that again. It's it's definitely gotten really wild lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gone wild. Um, I think it was a lot of ESBs when I <laughs> was first uh, testing the waters yeah. way back in the day when I was probably not even old enough to be drinking. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, it's pretty amazing the evolution of just uh, hoppy beers. I've always been, I guess, somewhat drawn to them, um, and uh, it, it's been really incredible just the changes and just the palate shifts. I think I think are it's pretty incredible um just thinking about tasting things that are the same recipe as they've always been and people uh, you hear people all the time talk about how all this beer they just don't make it as good as they used to but i think that there's a lot of palate shift that's changed a lot and what that was then it can be the exact same beer but it it's just evolved to a different thing now where um what used to be groundbreaking for us has just been Pushed to the side by what's being done with hops now. It's it's pretty incredible. That and it seems like there's new hops coming out all the time. There are, yeah. New varieties, new, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's hundreds. And different yeast strains seem like here in the last yeah, year or yeah, so. Yeah, especially all the Kvike stuff. It's, uh, the Norwegian stuff, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's probably the newest as, as far as yeast strains go, other than people rebranding stuff that is really just a, a London yeast. <laughs> but yeah. So when you first started, you remember a lot of ESBs. I 
to to think about i think like the last time i saw like somebody locally here doing an esp was probably like blue blood mm-hmm. there i can't think of other that's too bad i like esps esps <laughs> that were brewed around here i'm uh, just glad we're out of the black ipa shit so <laughs> <laughs> you're not a fan of the black ipa no i hate three beer styles and that's probably <laughs> we just <laughs> talked about black ipa last week <laughs> yeah. that sam did a good job with his <laughs> I actually have a friend that, that loves them, and yeah, and I was excited to tell him that uh, Cosmic Eye was doing theirs. And, <laughs> but I, I actually personally side with Jason too. I never thought that it needed to happen, but if ever roast, if somebody else likes it, go for roast it. Roast and hops, huh? <laughs> it's about the only kind of IPA I never brewed myself. Yeah, I definitely never brewed one. Uh, yeah, well, I think Zipline did a black IPA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I it's not a style that I I've seen too often here locally thank the lord (laughs) (laughs) is so that's not a style you like what what is there other styles that you that you never want to brew or that you just don't uh don't like really even care to drink or anything like that yeah there's uh, people were dicking around with double pilsners double a while ago like a what like an eight percent pilsner yeah eight percent plus pilsner and hmm. with that <laughs> clean lager yeast and that much Pilsner Mall is just horrible, I thought. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen one or ever tasted one. They used to be a little prevalent maybe like seven, eight, nine years ago. I think um, o- Odell did Odell one. may have done right? one. And I know that Boulevard did. They were mm-hmm. all garbage. But uh, <laughs> I also... I. Th- I, I can't say I've never had a good Belgian IPA, but I've almost never had a good Belgian IPA. I think that's another. Yeah. Belgian yeast phenolics and, and, and hops just doesn't. I feel like Belgian yeast overtakes the hops. Mm-hmm. I they Not necessarily, <laughs> but they don't play nicely in yeah. most situations. Yeah, that's a, another style that you probably the reason that you don't see it very often because mm-hmm. people can't do them very well. What about yourself, James? Is there styles that you you tend not to gravitate towards? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm not a big Hefeweizen fan, so brewing the, them. I'm the not original hazy beer. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, I just the yeast, the the flavors that the yeast throw just don't agree with me personally. And Bananas and cloves. Yeah. Um, the one time I, I the last time I tried to uh, mess with it, I was going for um, an Elvis beer. And my idea was I was going to get the banana from um, under severely under pitching the Hefe yeast and letting it just raise up to 80 plus degrees. And I did. And it smelled like pure bananas coming out the airlock. And I was like, I've, I've got a winner. Ding, ding, ding. And then it, it fermented it all out and there was no banana in there. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> you blew it all off. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah, you guys will know more than I do. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I feel like, like uh, I don't know, and Jason's going to disagree with me here, but like Pilsners, right? Pilsners <laughs> well, and, and, and like lighter, lighter style beers, not only are they, I think they're harder to brew. I think a lot of brewers would accept that. But uh, I feel like there's a ton of good ones out there, so I've just never had any interest of, I have less interest in drinking them, but I also have like basically zero interest in brewing them. Because if I want one, I'll just go buy one. Sure. I can agree with that part. 
Just, just go buy one. <laughs> it's way easier. <laughs> it's way easier to buy a good pilsner than it is to brew a good pilsner. It's way easier to buy a good pilsner than to uh, risk screwing up on your own. Yeah. It's hard beer style. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Uh, well, I just saw this just this morning. Boiler said that they put out their first. Uh, was it German pilsner? Mm-hmm. And I last week I had. Uh, Cosmic Eye just did one too. That's pretty tasty. Their Italian Pilsner. Yeah, I had that the other day. That's good. To get in there for that. While we were talking, I opened up another one of my buddy Aaron or my neighbor Aaron over here. His lighter shade of red. It's a cherry mellow mel, fourteen percent. So it's great. Yeah. I guess I stayed on the. I've been getting lucky. You opened up a coconut, I grabbed a coconut. You opened up a cherry, I grabbed a cherry. There's <laughs> a little bit left in there for anybody who wants that, but 14% ABV. Yeah, that's good. Well, I yeah. would say um, for this home brewer that, that we're unaware of as active members in the club, um, we, we pulled a, a barrel-aged stout and a fruited mead. Um, yeah. And, yeah, he's. He, we should try oh. to reel this guy oh. in for a club meeting. Yeah, I'll have to... Uh, <laughs> Well, that's another one. Like, so if somebody's interested, uh, how do they, you know, how do they find the loggers? Where I know you guys meet. You said um, first Thursday. First Thursday at Happy Raven. No. Anywhere out? You guys have a website. You have social media. Yeah, what, what's all that stuff. Uh, LincolnLoggers dot com. Um, you can find Lincoln Loggers on Facebook. Um, got an active group there. Um, that's actually the Facebook group alone is a really good resource uh, just to go throw questions out um, because you'll get people will be eager to help on on Facebook so yeah Facebook um, and website Facebook's definitely more active than the website but the website does get updated regularly as well yeah yeah I was lucky enough last year to go on your you guys did a bus trip to Des Moines and uh, it was a great time. We left like at 8 o'clock in the morning, shared beers all the way to Des Moines, which, I mean, I'm sitting on a bus. I don't brew myself, so I had to bring commercial stuff. But I'm sitting there, and all kinds of different styles are getting passed back, and we're, we're sampling on the bus, which was just crazy. Different meads, different stouts, IPAs. I mean, you name it, they were passing around. And that was amazing. And then we go and we we were going touring different breweries and and get to drink different. Uh, we I think we went went to Exile, uh, Madhouse, rest in peace, Madhouse. Um, what uh, we also went to Barntown, mm-hmm. and then I think we we hit up like El Bait Shop and there's Iowa Tap Room and stuff like that. It was a great time. Um, got to sample beers at all those places, and then on the way back we got to share beers again. <laughs> It was a great time. So, um, and you guys just had an, you had your other trip here just recently, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You guys yeah. went uh, you went up north a little bit. Did yeah. you hit Jukes, Jukes, Jukes yeah. Marto, and then uh, shot over to Divots in uh, Norfolk. Divots is that is it Jeremy that's up there? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've I've only had a few of their beers, but everything he's that I've had that he's been here has been pretty tasty. That man knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's good. Man. And and Absolutely. like I've had, I've, I've had hazy IPA that he's done was yeah. great. I've had uh, a Bach that he did that I thought was wonderful. I haven't had a bad beer from him yet. Yeah. yeah. Same same thing with Mardo. Um, I've never been there yet, but I've had people bring me some of their beers, and they're just, I mean. 
I knew about Mardo four years before they even opened, so they had a reputation, and yeah, they're they're putting out good stuff up there. Yeah, and I'm guessing those guys were probably they. I mean, those guys were home brewing for a long time, yeah, a long time before they were able to open that place up. Yep. And same thing with Jukes. Yep. The Jukes brothers, they've been brewing and they've had a reputation also. Mm-hmm. So home brewing, I love it. I just don't know if I'm ever going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> My wife would probably kill me. Another hobby. Yeah. I mean, we're we're sitting in a recording studio in my basement, <laughs> and I do this podcast for free. <laughs> I don't make any money off of it. I spend more than I make on it, but I just like uh, I just like to get uh, the word out there to the community about the cool things that's going on in the craft beer world because, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I'm fairly new to this craft beer scene. I I would say the f- the first, I mean, maybe 2014 was I really started to maybe branch out from Coors Light or Miller Light and stuff like that. And um, ever since then, I've never met a bad person in this community. And uh, it's because you don't hang out in Omaha now. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> although I, you know, for being in Lincoln. It seems like some of the Omaha craft beer community, they don't come to Lincoln as much as maybe I would go up there and, and drink. And there's a lot of breweries in Omaha. Um, but, yeah, the, Lincoln is kind of winning the craft beer scene. <laughs> Sorry, Omaha. <laughs> We've got Boiler and Wydome and Zipline and what, we, what else we got? We've got Code and you guys have Cross Rain. That's... I love cross rain. There's good beer up there. Yeah. It's just yeah. The beer drinkers are the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um one of the for like the first time I probably maybe ever had like a like a lambic or something like that was from upstream and I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Um that's yeah. It's I just by happened to stop by uh, Moran's on last Friday, I think, and I guess it was an upstream tapping because um, they were hanging out there, and I had their what is it called? It's just their regular lambic. It's called Things. Things. Yeah, is fantastic. Yeah, like really good. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that was the first one that I ever had from them. Was Things, and I was like, holy mackerel! Like rebottle that, throw a Hill Farmstead label on it, and <laughs> I know some dudes that pay four hundred dollars plus for that bottle. Maybe a yeah. thousand. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, we all know one dude, I guess. Yep, we know him. <laughs> ah, and this this uh Mellow Mel mead that we're drinking, I mean, it's I'm not it I'm not getting fourteen percent out of it. I yeah, it's no. it's good. He it's did great. a good job with this. Boy, if Nate Wheat was that far after only brewing as long as this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I I damn it, I have Nate's mead. it's in the garage. I didn't bring any down. <laughs> But we've all had Nate's mead. Mm. I mean, prison huge is what they call it. You got any hops in there? Uh, I do. Oh. That's what we've been missing tonight. Yeah, we haven't had any hops. Oh, he didn't have any hops. He breaks out a whole (laughs) 32-ounce growler of them. I thought there'd be four of us. I I don't know. Hey, I don't have to drive home. I'm good. Yeah. I'll drink as much as you want to pour. (laughs) Yeah. I've unfortunately got uh, an appointment 
to uh, get new tires on my car tomorrow morning. <laughs> so I can't really Uber home. If I, do, I, might, have to, I might have to Uber back early. <laughs> well, we can, I can, I can you pull your bike. car or wherever. Yeah. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crack into this here. Do it. What uh, What is this that we're... Uh, it's a New England IPA, 8%. There's lactose, Galaxy, Nelson, and El Dorado. This is the first one I've ever unscrewed on here before. Oh, wow. I already smell it. What was your hot bill? Um, Galaxy, Nelson, and El Dorado. Oh, right. yeah. Pull the story, Jason. Yeah, thank you. Tell me when. That's good. Okay. More for me. Hold oh. it. Uh, it's, God, I bet it's been on tap for almost two months. Yeah. It's kind of dropping clear. Yeah. Dropping clear. Now, what? what is that? Is that because it's time? Yeah. Cold temperatures. It will s- stuff will tend to drop. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is what we needed. That's fantastic. You should have had it when it was fresh. <laughs> Although, you know, one one thing I've kind of noticed with some of these newer IPAs out on the market is, you know, but back when I first got into drinking beer, it was like, well, you got to have it fresh. You yeah. got to drink it fresh. You know, you have to have the freshest of the fresh. And it seems like some of these New Englands, mm-hmm. I, you know, even like maybe six weeks in, they're really hitting their stride sometimes. Yep. yep. Um, I just, the... We we were up in in Toppling Goliath uh, back in in December and got their double dry hopped King Sue. Yeah, and it was bottled in late November, um, and I still I cracked one open the other day and I was like, damn, yeah, this I had is one this week. And yeah, it was still it's amazing. Unreal. It was <laughs> maybe the best IPA I've had this year. Yeah, and it was old. <laughs> oh yeah, it can be it, no, It's middle of february now so we're about four months old already and it's really good so i think that's you know a good thing that's going on with you know with beers i remember you know the 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 lagunitas is born yesterday and and stuff like that you know Mm -hmm. drink it fresh it was just bottled yesterday and it's at your door so Mm -hmm. but uh i I think that 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 drink it fresh with ipas is kind of came full circle and then went a little bit too far to where it's not uncommon to have a brewery release their, especially their New England IPA, probably before it's at its prime. Mm-hmm. And then you've got people, you know, opening a can every two weeks until they all right, now it's time type of thing. Yeah. And I don't think that used to happen quite so much, but the with the hops, I think that it's just the whole, you know, because they, they really pop at first. And with New England IPAs, the color is just crazy, like opaque or whatever you know it's like really light at first too and then they gradually darken so i don't know it's just trying to find that perfect time to drink it and isn't wasn't like the history of beer lore like uh, india ipa the, the reason they throw all the hops in is to to make the beer last a lot longer is that what the yeah, mm-hmm. there's 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 a microflora that doesn't like hops and um, the IBUs, especially lactobacillus, and the IBUs will, the IBUs from the hops will um, basically won't let it survive. Mm. So, yeah. So, back when they were shipping beer on ships, 
they threw all these hops in there to to let the beer last because it was getting bad or something like yeah. that mm-hmm. is what bad, yeah. a preservative uh, yeah i don't read books that's just what i've heard <laughs> <laughs> no this is great so sometimes i feel like you know when i share beers some ipas kind of just fall as like a palate cleanser a lot of times and i remember when ipas were the like that's what people wanted yeah like what's the next great beer it's it's an ipa and now it's kind of shifted a little bit and we're at the barrel aged stouts what can you throw in it and we're at the fruited sour age of what can you throw in it and (laughs) stuff like that but i mean a great ipa just just hops that uh that speak to you i love it still mm-hmm. I, for me ipa is probably the one where i could like if you if i had to just drink like say one beer all night ipa might might be it uh hopefully it wouldn't be the same exact ipa but maybe i could drink that same style more consistently than a lot of other ones imperial stout would be another one but i'd just be asleep or puking if i did that so <laughs> can you just come hang out in the summer over here <laughs> Yeah, I think if I if I'm gonna have a drink that day, there's gonna be at least an, it's gonna be an IPA or at least I will have an IPA. I can't imagine a day where I wouldn't have one. Yeah, if I'm gonna have a drink or a pilsner. Now I, I like pilsner. <laughs> That's gonna be a multi beer day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna drink a lot today, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there I. I I get I get caught up with with that too. Like sometimes I get caught up with the hype beers, and I want want to chase them all the time. And sometimes I just want you know just a, a go to beer all the time, and it doesn't have to be something hard to get and all that kind of stuff. And I guess that's just part of the beer journey. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you guys just brew whatever you want and drink whatever you want. You guys are living the life of Riley over here. <laughs> What uh, you said you have four to six on tap. What do you have on tap right now, James? Uh, I've got, believe it or not, three IPAs. Uh, they're all you know New England hazy or whatever sorts. One's a session. One was uh, you know a single. We'll call it. I think it's seven point two percent, no lactose. And then this one's eight. And then I've got a. Uh, this is eight percent beer right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I got. Uh, that's great. Uh, Imperial Stout that we're gonna crack eventually. Yeah, and then uh, I have a milk and it's sh- different than the IPA. than the stout that you, we just had. Yeah, yeah, that was just a regular you know six and a half percenter, and this one's ten. Okay, so, I like the sound of that. Probably, um, probably should have went for broke for twelve or thirteen, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So to to brew a beer to get to a certain percentage, like what uh, what goes into that? Like, yeah, how do you, like, I'm going to brew this beer and I want it to be 12%, or I want this IPA to be 8%. Do you guys, is that something that you're looking for, the the alcohol content, or, or how do you how do you go about getting that? Well, it's definitely planned out. Um, you know, anybody who's made more than a batch or two of beer knows exactly what they're, what, what they're going at and how, how to get there, you know, in terms of, you know, starting gravity or how much, basically how much sugar you're starting with. And then the yeasts that we have to choose from are kind of known for, you know, 
getting X amount of work done. So you can kind of go in with a good idea of, well, if I, if I start with this amount of sugar and I use this, this yeast, it's probably going to finish around here and it's probably going to be pretty close to this, you know, I guess would be maybe a, a, a dumbed down way to put it. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. All right. So, uh, like one thing I wonder, like how do those guys, you know, the brewery beers, how are they getting those 19, 20 percenters? They uh, they have a pretty sophisticated way to do it, um, and I years ago I was at a national homebrew um, conference where Patrick Rue was talking, and there's a lot of questions about how do you do that? Because yeah. um, it seemed like those were the guys that were putting out like over twelve percent, yeah. and they're like, yeah. hey, we'll go eight more percent." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Um, that's definitely going to be choice of yeast, what yeast they're going to use. Um, I mean, there's so many yeasts in this world, and you can use whatever you want for making beer. I mean, champagne yeast is known for just chomping through anything. There's really there's some high-gravity yeasts out there that, that will do a good job. But to get it to that point, and especially with all of the uh, types of sugar that's going to come from uh, making beer, like maltose, it's not necessarily as easy for yeast to consume as uh as fruit is like in wine um where it's just it's just highly fermentable um when you when you mash malt it the 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 chains are not as easily consumed um the they're just not as easily consumed sugars um so you have to kind of massage them and one thing from my understanding that brewery does is that they have uh, O2 oxygen meters inside of their fermenters. And when the oxygen level gets to a certain point, they're also feeding their beers all the time. More sugars, this raw, it it could just like literally be raw sugar, Hmm. um, which the yeast is going to want to just consume. They'll choose raw sugar over um, the harder to eat malt derived sugars. Um, but they also have an oxygen meters in their fermenters where, um, as the beer is fermenting, when the oxygen level gets to a certain point where it's low enough, it will inject more oxygen into the beer during fermentation, um, to, to keep that yeast alive and really wanting to multiply, wanting to continue to eat, to want to not stop. (laughs) And keep growing the gravity of the beer. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think that they do that for necessarily for the entire duration, but they certainly do it for the in the beginning when they're getting that fermentation really rolling. Yeah. And it's pretty high tech stuff. I don't know of any brewery that's doing it besides them. Yeah, I'm sure there is. But mm-hmm. Well, because I mean, when you when I normally like think about stouts and barrel aged stouts or imperial stouts stuff like that, it's you know, ten to twelve percent, maybe thirteen, is what you see. And then I see some of these breweries, like Aslan, at a, they're out in the Northeast. They're all like their beers are always sixteen to fifteen, sixteen to eighteen. Mm-hmm. And then those brewery beers are eighteen to twenty percent, like all the time. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, like they have to be doing something different. Yeah, it's not just a regular brew day. <laughs> yeah, they're feeding and feeding. I I brought a fifteen percent stout that I made. Right, you got a you got a twelve and a fifteen. I feel like we have a good night here still. This is another old one. 
I think. An oldie but a goodie. I brewed this about nine years ago. This was uh, <laughs> nine years <laughs> back before um, boozy thick stouts were cool. I kind of had you were a taste doing it for them. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. So it's uh, I think it's final gravity was still um, sh- more sugary than a, a lot of beers start at. So really. <laughs> What yeast did you use? I, boy, I'd have to go back to the logs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you log Just, all your beers? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's probably the only way you can remember what your what your recipes, ingredients, and all that kind of stuff are. Yeah. How, how many batches of beer have you brewed, Jason? I don't know. Well, you log them. You probably. I'd have to go back and. It's like Star Trek. No idea. Space log. <laughs> <laughs> no, hundred batches. No. Well over a thousand batches. No, 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 no. no, no. So we're somewhere between a hundred and a thousand. Yeah, five hundred. No, I, it's it's probably in the two hundred ish. I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, maybe between one fifty and two hundred. I'm guessing. Hmm. There was nice. a couple of years there where I rode my bike too much and and didn't drink <laughs> out beers. Yeah. What's the most beers you ever brewed in one year? I have no clue. No. So. I, I don't know the exact number of batches, but I think it was the second or third year that I was home brewing. I was really just that—that that was my main goal on my days off or the free time. Was it was making beer, and uh, there's there's some sort of rule or law, more of a law, I guess you'd say, where home brewers can only make so much beer a year. I think it is—is is it a hundred gallons? And then there's a little bit of a clause there where like you know maybe you've got a roommate, maybe they're making beer, maybe they're not, and so I realized that you know. Lisa's making beer too, <laughs> and I can make 200 gallons this year, and I was definitely over that. And so at five gallon batches, that's you know, 40. Is that 40 batches? Yeah. No can math. Uh, so yeah, that was you know, I I probably so, made 50 batch. I bet I easily made almost one a week. In in yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. How how <laughs> <Not> bad? <laughs> what's bad. the quickest beer to make? I'm. Like anything, a, a session IPA is since since it drinks really well early and uh, it's a session, so it doesn't take very long. That'd be a good one to really crank out fast. Yeah, anything so, that's this low in gravity and you can use an L yeast with that mm-hmm. likes to flock quick and doesn't just stay in suspension. I mean, you can milk out beers quick, like in a week. You could. I mean, I've made I've made meads in a week. I mean, a mead in a week. <laughs> a session mead, yeah. You can just plow them out. Yeah. They're done fermenting in three days. <laughs> well, that's, and that has one less ingredient. Mm-hmm. It's just what, water, honey, and yeast? Yeah. You know, Cut the barley right out of there. Oh, yeah. No barley. <laughs> wow. A week. You could you could brew a mead this weekend, and next weekend we could drink it. Yeah, I, I there was a guy. Kurt Maybe Stock. I need to start brewing. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Stock's a really famous mead maker. Um, up in he, he, not a professional. He's just a home mead maker up in uh, Minneapolis. I think lives just north of Minneapolis, and uh, he came out for one of the Sowers Cup. That's that competition we hold every October. Well. And he was our guest speaker, and he brought a mead that I think he pitched nine days prior, the yeast, and he brought the finished keg, and it was a multi-berry mead, 
um, and it was fantastic, and it was nine days old. And it only sat on berries for a little bit of time. Uh, yeah, I think he probably. Uh, I think it was on berries the whole time. Oh. I think that he um, put the berries in with, with the, the yeast. Nope. Awesome. So. so if somebody like hasn't ever brewed before and they show up to these meetings, is this going to be like showing up to a a uh, a calculus class and never taking <laughs> algebra or no? No, if if there was keg stands the calculus class <laughs> no. no 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 um there there's every level of brewer there there's there's guys that um that have only brewed extract and have been brewing for years and they just like it and um they 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 like what they're making and they're making good beer and they're fine with that and they don't they don't care about the geekery of it um they've just been making kits forever and they're making good beers and there's all the way up to the super geeks but there's everything in between and there's no it, it's it's amazing like within the home brewing well at least within our club that there's no snobbery going on um it's it's not a place where you're gonna get walk in and get slammed if you bring a beer that isn't up to par sure it's, mm-hmm. it's people are if you want feedback there's a ton of judges you're gonna get constructive feedback and and a judge is trained to be able to just taste it and then know um by what may be off the flaws or what the where where that comes in the process and how to fix it the next time oh and they know how to fix it yeah know how to fix it nice sounds good well i definitely encourage any of my listeners if you are you're thinking about you know wanting to brew beer or even you are brewing beer like Aaron or or, or anybody and, and you haven't went to a loggers club. It sounds like it's a pretty pretty awesome group to be a part of. And you get to try everybody's beer. Yeah, there's a lot of perks. Oh, if, yeah, if, if, you, if you guys are bringing some beers I'm tasting here, this is <laughs> going to be a great, uh, a great uh, one day a month to go to. <laughs> yeah. I, every once in a while I suspect that there might be some people that might not really have any intention of homebrewing beer that might just show up uh, at, on the first Thursday at Abbey Raven. <laughs> it's like, I've never had their beer, but you know, I'm always happy to share mine with them anyway. So. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> like, oh, what are you guys doing? What are you doing here, Dane? Oh, I don't know. I just showed up today. It's, <laughs> it's the Happy Raven. Yeah. The door was open. First <laughs> Thursday? I did not. Nah, I'm just here. <laughs> All right, I am eyeing this. Well, that was batch 50, so if you want to put numbers on stuff. And that was, I brewed that in 2010 or 11, so. You have brewed more than 150 batches. If in 2010 you brewed 50. (laughs) (laughs) Is it carbonated? Just a little bit. Ooh. This could be anything. Smells like dog food. Looks nice. <laughs> so does it could. Uh, it's old. <laughs> is this uh, adjuncted or no. barreled or the the word adjunct back when I brewed this it meant corn. Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> that was an, I was one that was one thing I was gonna wanted to talk to you about is kind of when we talked about the trends and and all that kind of stuff. Like, um, when did you start seeing 
seeing beers that had all kinds of different flavors added to them. Oh, that that stuff's been around a long time. It's just uh, the terminology for it. Adjunct had a really specific um, meaning, and it was adjuncts were sugars outside of malt that were uh, used in typically corn. Yeah. And then uh, right now, if you were, there's a lot of brewers, like professional brewers who have been doing it forever that aren't necessarily into making pastry stouts, that if you went and said to them, what kind of adjuncts did you put in this? They would look at you and be <laughs> like, there's no corn in this. What are you asking <laughs> me that for? So that, uh, I don't even know where that term came from. Oh, and yeah. And it's, it's honestly, it's wrong. <laughs> oh. But uh, it's, it's just added flavors, natural or artificial? Uh, nowadays, yeah. This beer is getting old. I just went in for, it's, it's <laughs> it's, it tastes like a thick older stout. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> like this is pretty thick. I feel like I might need a knife and a fork here. <laughs> it's yeah. This poor guy's way past its prime. But Probably ahead of its time back then, though, huh? Yeah, I, I mean, it was. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people would rolled over. I've never cared much about hurting purists feelings yeah about stuff so I, I way back in the day i thought that um i don't know that that like dark lord and darkness were a lot of people thought they were uh just diabetes bombs and yeah i uh i thought they were good you liked them <laughs> so yeah. i went for yeah, now now the beatus is a term of endearment towards our favorite beers <laughs> <laughs> That's that's true. I mean, you look up there in my rack, and I might have some of the most diabetes beers that uh, <laughs> that there is up there. <laughs> but uh, I just I just love the different flavors. That's what I love. Um, but I also find myself like, you know, just a just a good tasting stout with not any added added flavors. I'm. It, or like that IPA, you know, it just kind of refreshes and kind of brings you back to square one. Yeah. And because uh, sometimes you, I sit there and look at all the beers that that I drank in one night, like Good Lord, like, <laughs> I was like everything in the kitchen sink was thrown into what I drank <laughs> tonight, and and then sometimes you just take one, you know, uh, this one's older, but I mean it's pretty solid drinking. I I could drink this all by myself. It smells pretty damn good still, too. So, thank you, Jason. It's a good time to be a craft beer drinker. I know I never said that, but I even feel like when I first started going to to festivals, beer fests, um, the craziness and the flavors and whatever were less prevalent, particularly with anything besides, like, small breweries and home brewers. I, I used to love, you know, maybe I'm a little biased, but my favorite thing about homebrew or the the beer festivals were the homebrew tents. Um, it, it was just always usually the most memorable. They were doing crazy stuff, stuff that I wasn't getting. Uh, and now there's so much talk about like, well, you know, is a brewery going to feel like they have to do something that they don't want to do just to play in today's market? And, you know, I hope that's not true. I hope that, you know, every brewery can just do whatever they want and be successful. But, uh, 
you know, I love I love seeing all the the craziness that is kind of in full bloom right now, so to speak. For sure. Yeah, this past weekend was Ultimate Beer Fest, and I didn't go this year. I've gone prior years past quite a few times, and it's a great uh, great event that always has different beers. And this was the first year in a long time that we that uh, because of the dumb state laws, we finally got home brewing back in it. So, mm-hmm. Did, have you guys ever? I mean, I don't know how long that laws was like that, but you guys had had beers in in festivals like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That place. Yeah, last time they did a. We were allowed in there. That Marta was there. Marta was there uh, serving their stuff. I yeah, that was probably back when it was at the the Ramada Inn. Well, the, uh, I think the last time that they allowed homebrew beer, it was at the Ralston. Oh, was the, probably the first year at the Ralston. Yeah, then. first year there. Yeah. Yeah. It, and yeah, I have a bunch of buddies that had beers in it this year, and I wish I could have made it, but that's. One of the funnest things to do as a home brewer is to go serve your beer in public to to people and and see their reaction. Yeah, you know. Yeah. They like it or they yeah. look for the nearest dump bucket. Right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but every style of beer is like that. Um, do you guys put your your beers on uh, like there's some of these beer apps like Untapped? Do you guys do that? Uh, no, I've never done that. Jason. I uh, I usually do. Um, I've got a few friends that use Untapped that are craft beer friends, and so it's just kind of I don't know, entertaining, I guess. Sure. Yeah. See what they see what they're drinking, and and maybe it'll, it'll also give you a little feedback too if you're sharing those beers with them. Absolutely. I saw what this, I saw something the other day, like Untapped bot beer advocate. Yeah. Oh yep. wow. Yeah, I was not aware of Yeah, I saw something in the new, just my news feed the other day about that. I wonder what that's going to mean. Right? Well, because, because like rate beer that was purchased a couple years back by what, AB and Bev? Yeah. And now Untaps buying Beer Advocate. And like what, rate beer and Beer Advocate were like the two main mm-hmm. beer rating communities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think rate beer was kind of more Eurocentric. Um, beer advocate, more U.S. centric. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd rather be purchased by Untapped than maybe InBev. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, I wonder what that that means for for both of those companies. I mean, are we going to start seeing more? You know, is beer advocate going to you're going to start seeing more of that stuff uh, on Untapped, like their their rating systems and stuff like that morphed Did, in. Or I saw that they uh, they. They did say that they weren't going to, um, m- like, uh, combine their rating systems at least for now. Yeah, uh, most um, most giant companies when they buy a smaller company, they're like, yeah, it's going to be the same until. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> stuff's going to be the same. Separate <laughs> communities. Uh, Beer Advocate had been losing money for the past two years, and ever since their print production kind of dried up from their magazine. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a long story about it if you go on and be advocate and read about it. But yeah, craft beer news. Uh, the, o- the one thing I haven't talked about locally is uh, a big switch with Cross Strain. We were talking about them a little bit in Omaha. They switched from bottling to canning. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I I've always loved cans. I, I 
they're just easier to transport. They're I don't know. I, I I'm more likely to drink out of a can than I am a bottle. If I open a bottle, it's going in a glass. And honestly, most of the time I'm going to pour a can in a glass too. But uh, I don't know. There's something about it. Cans are better. <laughs> yeah, cans are great. Bottles are hard to shotgun out of, so <laughs> easier to recycle. <laughs> There's just, just so many things. That's the yeah. damn truth. That's for sure. I <laughs> this damn local recycling. They don't take glass anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm. I have so many beer bottles in my garage all the time because uh, they stack up, and I got to take them to recycling all the time. We, every brew. They should start just instead of seven fifty. Start just crowlering their stouts. Just do it that way. I don't have to deal with bottles anymore. <laughs> Better for the environment. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Except for the BPA lining. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Is that not good? Well, I don't know. If you are worried about BPA, it's not. But I don't know what that is. It's plastic. No, there's a, there's not plastic inside a can, Every is there? Every single can, yeah. Hmm. They're all lined with BPA. But that's yeah. all right. They're whatever. It, you, you really can't We're all going to die from something. <laughs> you can't avoid BPA. But That's right. Yeah. But maybe if you could minimize it, maybe that would be good, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. What, uh, so, I mean, you guys both bottle your beers, evidently. Mm-hmm. Or you have. Mm-hmm. Um, Mostly keg them, and then they end up in bottles. Yeah. Okay. So, you guys, because that was one thing I talked, when I had Tim on, he told me that, you know, with all those styles of beers, he was like, it took way too long to bottle them mm-hmm. so he just started throwing them in kegs mm-hmm. and then they last longer in a keg than a bottle oh yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. and but then then you'll pull off the keg and and then put a, a cap on it is that what how that goes or yeah yeah, yeah. you well what tim would do is he would just put i think a bottle filler on his taps and literally fill off them maybe he'd throw something onto his kegs but yeah there's a, many ways that you can get the beer out of the keg and into a bottle yeah. quickly yeah also, you don't have to worry about um, the the conditioning, you know, the the sludge at the bottom. So if you bottle condition, there's, you know, some, some stuff at the bottom of the beer that it's not going to hurt you, but it might make your beer cloudy or, you know, people that aren't familiar with homebrew or having a bottle conditioned beer, it might gross them out. And in a keg, you're just basically yeah. uh, got clean beer, which is what everybody's used to. I know some of my... Uh my homebrew bottles that were in my fridge, I looked at them. They had a good amount of cake at the bottom of them, so I still drink it. Yeah, it's it's, it's good for you. It's not going to hurt you, but... So we say vegetarians a, pay a lot of money for that brewer's use. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, uh, as a homebrewer and doing basically everything by myself, uh, the only part of the process I didn't like was bottling, and getting into kegging was like, okay, now I love every part of it. Is it hard to transfer a beer to a keg? No, it's no. super easy. Yeah? <laughs> it's very easy. Uh, yeah? Yeah. But it's difficult. It, time consuming, I'm guessing, because you got to fill it and then cork mm-hmm. your uh, uh, cap it right away. Yeah. And obviously, like, you know, sanitation is a concern. And so if you're worried about, you know, 50 sanitation concerns or one sanitation concern, sure. that's easy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can you can purge the keg easily with CO two. Uh, you know, bottling it becomes a, a money scenario. Like, do I have enough money for a beer gun, or am I doing it some sort of other you know way? How many <laughs> bottles can you store? I mean, that's probably a, a big thing too. Yeah, 
I know I know how that is. I have freaking five <laughs> fridges full of beer bottles all the time and cans. <laughs> I was just complaining to Jason a couple of weeks ago that uh, I let a beer get a little bit warm during fermentation because my fermentation temperature controller was uh, uh, my overflow for craft beer. <laughs> and so I didn't have any room to put my fermenter in there. <laughs> so I had a bunch of white elm and boiler beer in there instead. <laughs> Well, I have your priorities. Yeah. <laughs> luckily, it's a little bit cooler this time of year. You can just kind of keep it in the garage for a little bit, maybe. I've been, uh, my, during the winter, my garage becomes a, a free adura cooler. Nice. It's terrible in the summertime when that happens because I'm running through ice packs all the time. Like, like why are why do we have seventeen ice packs in the freezer? It's like because I keep rotating them in the. <laughs> coolers that are stacked up in my garage every six hours oh. <laughs> so dumb that's why i want people, five more fridges more people yeah you t- <laughs> you, you, <laughs> i'm talking to the wrong person yeah, there's, there's time like uh, you know a fridge sometimes when a fridge kicks on there's some bottles in it maybe it makes it a little you know a little 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 noise like that. Kind of hear the glass kind of clinking around when the compressor starts, mm-hmm. and then the wife's like, "What was that noise?" <laughs> I was like, "What noise?" <laughs> She's like, "That glass noise. Is there beer in that fridge?" Hmm, uh, maybe. <laughs> Is that fridge plugged in? Like, maybe. <laughs> How many fridges are plugged in? Like, well, <laughs> One in every room. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I can never be more than 10 steps from cold beer. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's a problem. It's a a curse. The the podcast area someday will just be a walk in cooler, huh? (laughs) Oh, bring your jacket. Yeah, we're going to podcast in the cooler. That'd be great. All I have to do is figure out how to close that off and really crank the AC down here. Yeah. <laughs> giving me ideas here. See, this is why I don't brew. <laughs> All right. Well, I I enjoyed this beer. I've had plenty of old beers before on the podcast. This might be the best, like, oldest beer that I've had uh, as far as, like, stouts go. I mean, that your, your sour cherry one was amazing, yeah. and it was, like, at a class above that. But I've had old stouts on the podcast before, and... They're okay, but this is much better than those. Oh, thank you. I, <laughs> I'm not a fan of it anymore. But well, you also drank it when it was probably, you know, fresh, and then you had it like five years later, and then six years later. And yeah, <laughs> it's one I I bottled every bit of it after I force uh, carved it, um, but then bottled all two cases of it. So I've had it quite a bit over the years but i haven't so five had gallons, any in a while five gallons will get you about 24 bottles yeah. or yeah 48 oh 48 ish okay you can sometimes squeeze 50 yeah depends on how full you put them mm. no it just depends on your yield i yeah. guess i don't know it's yeah have you guys ever filled well i guess when you said you homebrew what about just personally like with the club, you filled a big barrel. Personally, you guys do any barrel filling? I filled yeah. a barrel about two hours ago. Wow. 
What kind of barrel? It was a King County uh, distillery from New York uh, rye whiskey barrel, five-gallon barrel. Filled it with an imperial stout. Awesome. Very cool. And that's going to sit for how long? Um, five-gallon barrels don't need a ton of contact time. Um, I'll probably check it in uh, two months, see where it's at. If it's um, there's in those small barrels, there's so much barrel contact. Um, sure, I mean less less liquid, but it's also more barrel touching yeah. it. So um, you you kind of have to check those quick. So I'll check it in two months, and see where it's at. If it's not where I want. I'll just let it sit. Probably check it every two weeks after that. Don't want it to get too uh, too many tannins. Don't want to pull too much stuff. But the barrel was smelling fantastic. I um, wasn't super familiar with the uh, that particular distillery, but um, I read up on it, and and everything I read said that this uh, that their rye whiskey was their their cream. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. How do you get a barrel being a home brewer? Oh, you, you just got to make sure you're at the right place at the right time, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, we're kind of lucky right now. Yeah. There's Midwest Barrel Companies. I know. But ben Lowski, is yeah. that? I got to get Ben on the podcast sometime. I want to talk to him about, about he's, uh, barrels. He's he's doing a good thing over there. Today. Yeah. So, yeah, this this barrel just got picked up two days ago. And nice. Now it has beer in it. Did, did Jonathan drain all the whiskey out first? These little barrels, uh, <laughs> they're they're so small, and the the smaller craft distilleries that are using five gallon barrels, they're, 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 not they're gonna, sucking it all out. They're not going to leave <laughs> right a pint of a <laughs> booze at the bottom of five gallon. Yeah, barrel. or five gallons of of booze, like I've seen yeah. some of Jonathan's mm. pictures. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's that doesn't happen in a five gallon barrel. I've got I've got two I've got an eight and a five but I've ran they've both had two stouts through them after being freshly dumped and I think that's that's maybe beyond already what they're capable of so potentially plan to turn them into sour Solera bar- barrels possibly but that hasn't happened yet so yeah you so you multi 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 use your barrels then huh so I, I get the barrel freshly dumped put a stout in there take the stout out rinse it out and then I put more whiskey in there for the yeah. second for the second use sure so yeah and then just a way of trying to get a second use out of it i just i think the second time you can definitely tell it's not as good as the first though i mean yeah, yeah. well but some i mean if those smaller ones you don't have to keep them in you know 12 months that's i feel like that's probably a a good way like uh, i know like this one that had the whiskey soaked french oak cubes so that they he just he's just taking French oak, sitting it in some sort of whiskey for how long, and then throw those oaks, yeah. what like in a nylon bag inside the beer. Or you what? can just throw it straight in the beer. Just throw it straight in the beer. Nice. Mm-hmm. And how long would would you? Because that would be all contact then, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. it's not bad. You, you probably want to sample regularly just to make sure you don't overdo it, right? Yeah. I think I'd be a, that'd be another problem for myself. And 
Sample it too much. Yeah. <laughs> regular sample. I better, I better try this beer yeah. here. Oh, like, now I have <laughs> nothing left to carbonate. <laughs> it didn't yield anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, never happened to us before. I drink way too much still beer. <laughs> All right. Um, so... Lincoln Loggers Homebrew Club. We've already talked about kind of a little bit of the history. We've we've talked about some of the uh, the members and and awesome things that's been going on. Uh, we've talked about how to find Lincoln Loggers. Um, so if you're a you're an aspiring homebrewer out there, please find them. Find their website. Find their Facebook page. Um, show up to the Happy Raven on the first Thursday. And uh, see what see what's going on. I'm who knows one of the, maybe one of the first Thursdays uh, I might uh, show up and try some of these guys' beers because these ones that we've had tonight have been pretty awesome. And we might drink one more while we're turning these microphones off too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you definitely should show up. But I, I did want to say something about the club. So uh, when I first started home brewing. Uh, very early, I found out you know it's a great resource to join a club, and and my initial reaction is like, well, I'm not I'm not normally a club person, wasn't really sure what to think about it, uh, wasn't even really sure if I wanted to go the first time, but I went, and it's a amazing resource, and it's 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 not what you'd probably think of a club. There's a little bit of structure to it, but a lot of it's just kind of you know meeting people and, and sharing beers or whatever. And, and so, so that's pretty cool. Uh, me being somebody that's not normally just going to jump up and, and join every club of my interest because I'm not a club person. Uh, I do advocate for this one, but then also I'll say this, uh, I've told the story many times to, to people that haven't been to a homebrew club meeting before, but, uh, many, many, many of the best beers I've ever had came from homebrew. Um, it came from the homebrew club meetings and, uh, as, as often as I tell that story, uh, most people look at me and I know that they don't believe me, but it's true. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you on 100% because the best beer that I drank all of last year was made by this beautiful bearded man sitting right <laughs> over here. <laughs> so if you're, oh, you're local and you, and you had, uh, maybe got a chance to try a beer from Boiler called Diabolical Iridescence. Um, that was like Jason's brainchild. It wasn't his stout recipe, but it was how you threw the adjuncts in there. And I would tell you, I got to drink, what was there, like 12, 15 bottles of that beer? Uh, it was less than 15. It was, I, thought, I think it was maybe a 11, 11 to 12 yeah that's i think you had 11 total bottles and i think i drank out of seven of them <laughs> <laughs> and it was the most wonderful beer i i drank last year and up there as far as one of the best beers i ever drank in my entire life oh, thanks. so jason you make beers and james the first time i ever met you you brought me a strawberry milkshake ipa that was a good one that just like we i was hosting a beer share and we we probably drank 50 to 60 beers that night and you know not like it was chaos it was a <laughs> it was a chaotic night and you know we drank a couple ounces here or there of each beer you taste it trying it in that beer i was like uh we're uh, let me get more of this and you only had a little bit but it was amazing and so and and uh 
on the on this podcast at Champarado Day, you brought me one of was it this beer that we just drank the the first one that we had tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a breath of fresh air that day after drinking. <laughs> 12 to 13 to 14 percent mexican stouts and i had that one i was like oh my god this is so good (laughs) (laughs) so both these guys make amazing beers um and i want to thank you guys for for joining me on the podcast and and it's true homebrew can be i mean i drink a lot of beer folks you guys know that that follow fridge guys and uh, some of the best beers i've ever drank were homebrew we talked about matt white 2018 that man Mm-hmm. 2018 he had some of the best beers i ever drank that whole year too so i would love to drink more of matt's beer he just needs to get out of that submarine yeah quit quit sailing around the world and protecting us and start making us more beer <laughs> <laughs> um so if um i know i've i've, I've said this before but you guys, if you found me, you know that the Fridge Guys has has its own um, uh, hosting site now. So if you if you want to follow, go to like ask uh, Spotify. Fridge Guys is on there. Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, all those places. Your favorite podcast apps. You can find the podcast. Um, it's on social media: Facebook, Fridge Guys, uh, Twitter, um, Instagram is just my at Dane Patton because. All my Instagram is pretty much my beer drinking escapades. <laughs> um, and fridgeguys.beer is the website, so it's always on there, too. Uh, next week, I don't, I don't know if I have anybody lined up next week. I, I'm Matt from Code, hopefully next week. Him, he, he Last week was Sam, so this week's Loggers. I think maybe Matt's next week. Next week's my birthday week, so... Maybe we won't be. Maybe I'll have some of just my good buddies, and we'll do a blind tasting. That might be fun. We'll see. But um, thanks for listening, James. Thanks for being here. Jason, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for sharing some of his beers. Aaron, thank you for the couple beers that uh, you gave me that we tried. They were both pretty tasty. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon.